Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to a surprise episode of the London is Blue podcast, an international break Q&A. That is right. I am literally so bored right now that instead of not doing anything, we thought, let's half-ass, throw up some questions on social media, <laughs> 30 minutes later, voila, Nick. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, you, this- you, ha- you call it half-assing. I call it, you know being ready to be called upon a moment's notice like batman doesn't half-ass man he sees the signal go up and it's 100 percent every time I, I you know speak for yourself please this pod is brought to you by international break boredom international break boredom it really sucks and the league of nations thing is not a real thing especially when you're outside of uefa <laughs> you're not even invited um, all right. Well, obviously, it's to set the stage for all of our listeners on your Monday morning commute. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a Q&A. Uh, we're going to talk about a bunch of different kind of topics that have been given to us from social media. Obviously, that is the best way to get your questions to us also through Patreon. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a little bit different of format, but it should be uh, a fun, fun time nonetheless. Uh, no, Mike, unfortunately, he is traveling, so he's being rested for next week's Spurs uh, match review, so expect him back then. Uh, as always, you know, him and him and Kovacic, right? Yeah, you know, little little muscular issue, you know. Mm. 
Maybe maybe it was the, a vocal cord thing for Mike. You know, just couldn't couldn't bring it today. That's okay yeah. though. Nah, Mike's a pulled hammy kind of guy. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, before we get into it, as always, we do love to share the the love that we get from our iTunes reviews, Dan. I feel like we haven't done this in a while, but that could just be because it's been a long week. Uh, but we're back on it again. Yeah, the, the week is, is only seven days, so it's really just your interpretation if it's long. However, Ms. 312 gave us a wonderful review and uh, did highlight the fact that Sir Nicholas getting a little ranty on a podcast is why they would give us the five-star love. Because when they see that E-rating, Nick, they know that you're dropping some type of rant, whether it be about... Hazard not playing up to his potential, the wrong substitutions, the fact that your beard didn't grow back fast enough, so something of that nature. You're just getting really angsty, and you kind of go all in, get an E-rating. They love it. Five stars. Yeah, I could have pulled out of this show from a sore back from carrying you guys, but you know I didn't, You know, and I think that's what we all really appreciate. We do, but we also appreciate the five-star reviews on iTunes, up to 426 in Oof. the U.S. iTunes store. Getting uh, getting inching closer and closer to the eighty mark in the UK. We're over thirty now in Canada. I think we've gotten double digits in a couple other countries: uh, Sweden, uh, Australia. Uh, I think a couple are popping up in Japan. So uh, yeah, let's let's also help us hit a couple countries we haven't hit yet. So leave a five star review in iTunes, and we'll give you some love on the show. Let me let me earn this E rating really quick, Brandon. Our fans are fucking incredible, and we love and respect you guys. Well, I can piggyback off that in, in more, um, I guess, friendlier words we can say. And just a huge shout out to Justin, who joined our Patreon group this past week. Uh, a massive shout to him. We were exchanging messages on the platform. Uh, great guy, obviously, and we're looking forward to, to kind of continuing our conversation um, because he told us to go easy on his boy, Murata, because he said, and I quote, we may need him to pull us through for the rest of the season, wink face. So, hey, <laughs> keeping everything in perspective, I, I see. All right. Uh, real quick before we jump into all of the topics for today, uh, it would be very rude of us, Nick, to not give a nice little shout out to World Soccer Shop. Correct. In addition to the code LONDONPOD, which will get you 10% off your order, um, they have Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals coming up. Um, I know what they are already. They're really good, but... I'm not allowed to tell you about them until I think uh, closer to Thanksgiving uh, when they release all the information. So uh, be sure to check our Twitter and and Facebook this week. We'll post up what the uh, what those respective deals are and uh, and go get yourself some uh, some holiday gifts, right, Dan? Uh, holiday gifts are important, Nick. Uh, it is a good opportunity to do that, and you know who doesn't like a good deal? Crazy people. Crazy people don't like a good deal. But anyways, let's go ahead and jump into what we have today. Um, I'm pretty excited about the first one actually come from at NicolaJR20 on Twitter. Uh, she tweeted at us right away, was quick on the on the reply on Twitter saying, when the men's team have a weekend off, why do so few support the women's team? We are one club. How do we make this happen? And Dan, I think we had a bit of a back and forth with Nicola talking about, um, that's a great question. The women are wildly successful, uh, making it to the Champions League semifinal last season, uh, winning trophies. Uh, Nicholas saying she's a season ticket holder for both the men and women and just wishes that, um, you know, we could have a little bit more cross-pollination, especially when the men play on a Saturday and the women play on a Sunday. We should be promoting it a lot better. 
what do you, as someone who has never been to a women's match like the rest of us on this podcast, because just unfortunate scheduling, if we're being honest, um, any ideas, I guess, on on why the women's team aren't covered as much or anything kind of why you like watching the results of the women's team? Although, I mean, unlike sometimes the men's team, um, you know, you, you can very usually rely upon the strikers to score goals for the Chelsea women's team, which is a, a joy to watch. Obviously, there's a lot of really great players on the team, um, you know, Bachman, Kirby, uh, obviously, you know, there's G. G is also good. I played a little bit less so far this season. Um, Aaron but Cuthbert. Cuthbert great. is a, a quite the character in addition to being a fun player to watch as well. So, you know, I think it's it's hard, right? Because it's, it's a growing game comparative to, you know, the institutional game that has existed across England in the men's component. And... I think what Nicola pointed out was really important is how is the club doing doing the right job of cross promoting? If there's a game on Sunday and on you know for the women's team and the men are playing on Saturday, how are the how is the club finding a way to at this massive game with forty plus thousand fans talking that up, making sure people are aware, making sure to you know I think. You know, I've seen, you know, for some U.S. teams, right, if there's like a major team and a farm team or they're trying to kind of support some cross-pollination, Nick, is they might be like, hey, if you come buy a ticket to the regular team, like we will give you like a discounted ticket or offer you like a prorated rate to go check out our other kind of teams or organizations. Like, do you think something like that might be like a beneficial type of solution? Yeah, I do. I really do. And I think we're a little bit biased on this show to be completely, you know, open about it, like um we've met emma hayes uh, on more than one occasion we got to see the women's team train when we were there in uh, in may of, of 2017 um you know she was as gracious uh, a host as as there's been uh, at, at uh, on a trip that we've been on uh, and you know i think it was just really eye-opening to see how hard they train um you know and it, to us it was just a really it was a great experience to be at cobham to see that and uh, I, I think a couple of things uh, are at play here. One, uh, I think, you know, obviously the club knows that uh, in terms of revenue generating uh, teams, the uh, the men's team is obviously kind of the, the cash cow in that regard. You know, you get people coming from far and wide, including us, to go watch the men's team. But I, I wish there was, you know, maybe a little bit more, you know, um, not cross pollination is wrong word because I think they're actually doing a better job in like the social media realm this year. Uh, men's and women's teams are are commenting on each other's posts on respective Instagram stories on on a bunch of different things. I actually think they're doing a pretty good job there. I wish there was just better scheduling uh, around maybe like a back to back. Kings Meadow is a fair distance away from um, from the bridge, and so you know, depending on the trains and things like that, it could be difficult to get to. Uh, there are also just not as many opportunities uh, to watch the women play. They don't play as many games as, as the first team uh, do at Chelsea for the men's side. So I don't really know what I'm saying here. I, I think there are some opportunities to um, to maybe institute uh, some, some back-to-backs or to do open training or to, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe get the odd appearance at the bridge for the women's team and, and, you know, kind of do like the men's team does for like the Carabao Cup. Maybe do some discounted tickets for, um, you know, for 
you know, different age groups or something like that. But uh, it's, it is our goal at some point to see them play. And, and we're hoping to, uh, just as a sneaky preview, we're hoping to get a couple of the women's team players on the show at some point later this year. I have actually been looking at the schedule for our trip because Morgan, my girlfriend, is pumped to go see the women play. And I'm hoping, you know, uh, their schedule around this time, much like the youth team, is a lot more scattered. And so it's going to come down to what the schedule kind of ends up being. But uh, I think we definitely would go. I mean, I know our friend Jake Cohen goes to almost all of the matches of the women's team, if not all of them. Um, So we know we'd have someone to sit with and and take us to Kings Meadow and check it out. So I think the club um, have done a much better job, especially on like their YouTube and their social media content uh, promoting it. I know City is kind of seen as the leader, I'd say, a little bit with merging both handles into one and kind of just saying we are one club. We are going to post about all of our teams. But at the same time, I also think there's advantages of, you know, keeping different you know, profiles and handles for different types of content. So overall, um, you know, I, I think our goal for talking about this, Nicola, and, and having this conversation with you on the pod through Twitter is that we just want to bring more attention to it. We want to see kind of out there who of you do follow the women's teams, who of you do follow the youth teams and the lone army and things like that. And, and let us know, get in touch with us. We love talking to fans passionate about those teams and, and, you know, and, and, and keeping them top of mind because as we all know, uh, the playing staff at Chelsea is massive. And so sometimes it's it's just hard to keep track of everything that's going on. But uh, love, love, love all the success for the women's team and want to help keep that growing as best we can. If they uh, if they don't move the game, Brandon, we should be able to see them, uh, the Chelsea women's team, play Everton on the 6th of January. Yes, so. right before, yeah, before we head out on the 7th. So yeah, that fingers would be... Crossed. <laughs> Exactly. That'll be perfect. So keep just that FA Cup us. tie on the Saturday. Yes, correct. All right. That, that, that's going to be what happens, though. Like, I just guarantee it. And this is where, like, institutionally the problem exists is the FA Cup is most likely going to place that game on the Sunday for us. And so then you're going to have to be, as a fan for all Chelsea, you're now going to make a decision. Do you go see the men's team or do you go see the women's team? Right. And it's most likely not going to be an option of going to see both because right. of trains, because of leaving, uh, because of cost. I mean, there, there's a lot of factors associated in there. And I think that's where as much as Chelsea can do to push it forward by winning, by being successful, by helping to promote the game like you know so like man city has done obviously united has a women's team now so there's a lot of investment in the sport but it's going to take the governing bodies to be a little bit more intentional in trying to balance the scheduling load in a in a way that supporters for a club can truly be supporters of the one chelsea team and not i have to pick and choose between going to see the women or going to see the men because that is going to always kind of cause some level of disruption and not allow both of these sports to grow in the way that they, they should. Right. Cause Chelsea played the Wednesday before. And so they are going to push to have as much rest as they can before this tie. Also because they're playing the Sunday before that. So this would be their third match in, in honestly seven, eight days. So um, yeah, well, we'll see how it goes, but yeah, that's a great point, Dan. The next one we have is from at black underscore emoji, uh, from pill bill. I don't know what that is about, but anyways, he says, what do you think about signing Ruben Neves as the eventual successor to, her? and by the way, this is how I heard someone pronounce Jorginho's name the other day. It was, uh, Jorginho. Oh, it was Matt Law on the Telegraph. Yeah. 
Apparently that's like the the Portuguese way to pronounce it, but obviously most of us are just Americanizing and Britishizing it and saying Jorginho. So anyways, uh, Nick, uh, from your extensive Ruben Neves um, <laughs> uh, backlog of data and stats. Yes. Your thoughts? Uh, I think he's a very talented player. Um, clearly he's kind of like the engine for Wolves. If you've seen Wolves play and... Uh, I will throw you back to a <laughs> a moment. Uh, what, which match was it earlier this year where Chelsea got like blacked out for 25 minutes of the first half and we were forced to watch West Wolves Ham. and West Ham? West Ham. We, we were playing West Ham? I think so. I thought I thought Wolves were playing. Uh, regardless, Wolves were playing someone terrible. And um, I actually enjoyed watching Ruben Neves play uh, quite a bit. He's, he's very good. Uh, I think... You know, when he actually, I remember when he signed for Wolves, you know, the, the prevailing theory was that like, he was definitely, you know, because they were not a Premier League team until this year, he was definitely better than, you know, championship level. And I think he's he's certainly proving that. Great free kick taker. Uh, not sure about the uh, the fit into sorry ball, Dan, in terms of quick passing ability, but uh, certainly has the uh, the creator tag kind of stuck firmly on his on his shirt. Yeah, there's a lot to like about Ruben Neves' game. He's obviously been an impactful player for them. He's been signed to a long-term contract, but as we know, in the world of global football, long-term contracts just mean that they probably increased your buyout clause and are finding a way to potentially make more money when a larger club, in this case, Manchester City, comes knocking in the next one to two windows because that is the strongest link that I've seen so far for Ruben Neves is that they would see him as an eventual successor to the David Silva of the world. So I, I wouldn't necessarily get too hopeful about this idea of Ruben Neves at Chelsea, though he is phenomenal in FIFA and has always been like the first like player I'll sign <laughs> because he always has like a maximum growth potential as a player. And yeah, I mean, obviously is you know, a little bit of a leader, his captain, his international side has uh, been a captain uh, for, you know, Porto before this. So, I mean, there's a lot of positives to, you know, in Neves' game. He would bring a lot to the table. I think he is going to be more of a developer of the play. I don't know if he necessarily takes over for Jorginho. And I, I don't know if that would be the right type of solution. I don't think we should be looking to replace Jorginho anyway right away. Like, we just signed him to a long-term contract, and, you know, you're probably looking then at another younger player underneath him to be the backup or... You know, if Cesc would like to take a pay deduction to stay with Chelsea maybe another season and be the backfill while we bring someone up, that would be an option, I think, too, Nick. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, 36 million pounds, he's rated by transfer market, uh, which isn't necessarily the Bible by any means, but they do a pretty good job of assessing value. Uh, He has two goals and an assist this year, so maybe not as much of a creator as I originally said, but um, certainly seemed like, you know, he's 21 young very young you know and and last year had six goals and one assist for for wolves in the championship but you know i think maybe to your point your point dan he's more of a a fabregas style than a uh you know kind of an out and out defensive midfielder engine type so you know in that regard we'd have to see but he's he's impressive he's only 21 might be might be decent value in there I he's got a good I think you said it Nick engine on him to me um I don't know he's much more box to box I think that Jorginho's 
just a little bit more withdrawn, right? Like he's there to support the rest of the play. I mean, we've seen Nevis get in. He loves a good shot from distance. And uh, I think that he, he would probably be more of a Barkley role to me. Um, maybe maybe he's more of a hybrid of Kovacic and Barkley, the fact that he can get back a little bit, but he has that goal-scoring threat. I mean, I think that with the question being, is he the eventual successor? I mean, who knows, really? I mean, Jorginho's got a lot of time left on on his clock, and um, you know, Ruben's got a lot of he he could you know really take off and and make a new role for himself in a different team. I mean, obviously, I think that they could play together, which makes me wonder if um, successor is the right term for Ruben. I think that he just has a has a a different style and a different approach to the game. And I don't think, I think he'd be too antsy sitting back and just kind of supporting the play the whole time. But um, I don't know. We got to keep an eye on these uh, exciting players and wolves, um, obviously in the attack, not the defense. Oh, yeah. Tra- trash and wolves defense on a bye week, huh? Oh, it's much Old. easier this way. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, all right. Friend of mine, friend of ours, the head of the the Twin Cities Blues, Chad Harris at 42 Gray Street, saying, the Pulisic rumors are obviously exciting for us Americans, but his, in quotes, unrealized potential and American marketing potential is driving up his price tag. Is he really a great buy for Chelsea if Roman continues emphasizing a smart business model for the club? And I mean, Dan, we had a lot more get in on this at Kanish Kasharma saying, Pulisic rumors are most exciting, but the price quoted seems ridiculous. Shouldn't that kind of money be invested into someone more proven at the highest level? Polly Cracker on Instagram saying, I love the idea of Pulisic coming into Chelsea, but don't see where he fits in. Sign him and sell William. And then DevGum9 uh, saying, thoughts on the Pulisic, Christian Pulisic buzz. Is it just an effort to sell shirts in the U.S.? So let's start off with the price tag of it, Dan. I know you were doing some looking into kind of his stats in the last couple of years, what he's done with Dortmund. Um, do you think that seventy million for a right winger is uh, is a good buy f- for our man from Hershey, Pennsylvania? Yeah, the uh, the man from Chocolate Town, the you know bald eagle streaking across the sky of European football. Christian Pulisic would be from a personal level as an American supporter of Chelsea, as a supporter of the U.S. men's national team. It would be amazing to be able to wear a shirt on on the back, have it be the name of a player who's arguably the best American footballer in this given moment. Yeah, we've got that. Uh, Miazga. I would, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, when they're trying to cancel your loan early, that you are not the best American team player playing for or owned by your uh, by Chelsea. Um, that's Kyle Scott right now. So uh, we should look at the fact that uh, Pulisic is not as much of a goal-scoring threat as people might want to believe. Uh, while he has scored the same number of uh, goals this season compared to William, three, three to three, it has been in about half the minutes that William has played. His goal and assist total was somewhere close to like the 0.4 range, 0.45 range last season for Dortmund. So you know, it's, a, it's a little overhyped, in a lot of capacities, Nick, I think I'd be excited for it. You know, you think the fact that Dortmund is running into an issue similar that they ran into with Obama Yang, where they have no time left on the contract. They're going to be with a year left and basically forced to kind of either take a large 
bid or try to force up the bid as high as it possibly can, like they did with a bombing Yang where they got, you know, 56 million pounds or almost, you know, $80 million for a bombing Yang uh, from Arsenal, or they let it run down and they get nothing. So if they do believe he's going to leave, they are going to look to sell. They're going to look to try to drive the price up and it could go as high as 70 million with, you know, with, Individuals like Liverpool, Juventus, and and Chelsea all interested in in bringing him on board. Yeah, so look, I, I'm I'm a big U.S. men's national team fan, um, and you know I, I have worked with the American Outlaws for a really long time now, and uh, I've watched a lot of uh, Christian Pulisic play for the United States, and I think he is a t- obviously talented player. I think he's more of a provider than a goal scorer. Um, to be completely frank, I think that's probably where his career legacy will lead him i do think that he fits in on the right wing uh Polly cracker um because uh, you know that's where he's consistently played for dortmund um and in a fourth three three or some variation thereof uh so he has consistently played on the right side he plays on the right side for the u.s um so i think in terms of that being a fit that makes sense um i have concerns um i you know, I was talking actually over the weekend at a Friendsgiving uh, with another uh, friend in AO, and uh, we we both had concerns about what you know whether or not he's going to realize his own potential for the national team, let alone the Premier League. Um, you know, he uh, certainly needs work on the defensive side of his game. He certainly needs, um, you know, he just needs to grow. He's only you know what twenty years old, <laughs> um, so uh, you know I don't. I, I think it's a it's kind of a ridiculous price tag for a twenty year old, but you know if your goal as Chelsea is to buy smart and buy ahead and make sure that you have a player on the right side who's who's you know ready to go and has played in a top five league in the world, then this could be a really good option for you. You know I don't think we have anyone in the academy that kind of fits his profile, so that would be my other concern: is are we are we passing over an academy player for? you know, and a, a young American player, you know, it does it, at least from what I could tell earlier that that wasn't the case. It's not as if Callum Hudson Adoy is playing on the right hand side consistently. He's playing on the left. So I don't know, lots, lots of thoughts here, but look, I think we'd all, you know, as Americans, we'd all be excited if he signed for Chelsea, you know, but what I don't want to happen. And when I, you know, I've said this many times before, uh, especially over the summer when we were talking about this rumor, Brandon, I don't want Chelsea to sign him because he's American. <laughs> I want them to sign him because he is, at the moment, the best option or the most talented potential uh, to move into the first team and play a significant amount of minutes and have a real impact at Chelsea. Otherwise, it's a fucking sham. And I, you know, as an American, I, I kind of would get offended by that, to be completely frank with you. And end passionate rant. Um, no, I love it. If you think about it, I'm the same way, and I know that Dev Gum isn't saying that Chelsea should buy him just to sell shirts in the U.S., and uh, this is kind of ironic that this question is coming at this time when uh, Chelsea have been sending a lot of gifts to U.S. supporters, and a lot of fans in England are saying, what the hell? Why don't you give us something for coming every single week? <laughs> and it's kind of created this discussion online of proper Chelsea and all this other nonsense. And I get it, right? Like if the club is kind of, you know, it, it, what looks like they're prioritizing uh, American fans even specifically over, um, you know, some different ones. I think that the, to me, it's linked in the sense that the the club 
you would have to be the biggest marketing like platform ever for the club to sign you only to sell jerseys. But I think that the club are smarter than that. Like the amount that you can win uh, and earn from winning tournaments and trophies and leagues far outweighs um, the risk in just being like, ooh, I hope that we sell enough kits to, you know, to make money off this. And I think that it's pretty widely known. Uh, Jake Cohen, wow, double, double name drop for him today in today's pod. But he's gone out there and he's been very open, as have other media outlets, in saying clubs don't make really anything on jersey sales. The manufacturers do. Nike signs with Chelsea to then go sell their kit yeah. around the world. That that's why they pay Chelsea money, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, otherwise, otherwise uh, Chelsea would just make their own and sell their own. <laughs> do you know that the last yeah. team in the Premier League to not have a sponsor on their kit, a manufacturer? It was Southampton three years ago. They had an unbranded kit without a manufacturer on it because they like canceled the contract with Adidas or Under Armour, whoever it was. Anyways, it's really fascinating. I read about the business side of football. Long story short, signing Pulisic uh, because of marketability. Pula, by the way, Pulisic. Yes, it's signing Pulisic. Officially. Pulisic, uh, just to sell jerseys and to be marketable is not a strategy that we've seen Chelsea do. Um it, they will splash for players that can perform and win them trophies. Chelsea, as we know with Roman, aren't there to win the marketing war. They are there to flood their trophy cabinets with silverware, and they've done a hell of a job doing it since Roman came in and even before that. So I think that I have no concerns that if Chelsea were to sign Christian Pulisic at this point, it's purely for footballing reasons, and especially because Maurizio Sarri seems like someone who does not have the time of day to you know to play marketing footballers instead of proper footballers. <laughs> right, and, and can I just quickly add on this? Like, I, I actually had a conversation with with our uh, good friend Dan Silver on Twitter yesterday about the whole fans giving thing. I think it is a bit ludicrous for that to be a controversy among Chelsea fans. And I know that we have some friends uh, in the UK who, who will disagree with me on this. And, you know, I, I guess I, I don't really know what to tell you on this one because I just don't see it as that big of a deal. And by the way, this is not coming from someone who received anything from the club um, for, in terms of the fans giving giveaway. So I'm just saying this is like a, a third party here. Um I just I don't see the big deal. The club have made it known for a really long time that they're very interested in the North American market. They targeted a holiday that uh, Americans are are known to celebrate, which is Thanksgiving, and tried to uh, do something that I actually thought was like kind of you know just kind of cute. Like it wasn't like a big you know splashy deal. Um, you know they actually Brandon helped help participate in, in the Minneapolis um, you know story time thing that they did and that, that'll be coming out soon too but like it, it's not it's not a big deal it's not as if the club is saying you know or throwing up a big middle finger to anyone else who didn't get a fansgiving box and uh, you know just saying a big f you it, it's just a kind of cool nice thing you know friends nominated other friends for this program and uh, they were given boxes, um, you know, of, of random, you know, pint glasses and scarves and stuff. I mean, it's, you know, it really, it could not be less of a big deal uh, than, than basically what I just described. And 
I think this does actually bring up something that has been kind of eaten away at me recently, which is um, this this divide. You know, we've seen it happen over the last couple of years between match going fans and uh, and supporters from other countries. Is is kind of it's it's just it's beyond pale now, Dan. Like it it doesn't make a make a ton of sense to me that Chelsea fans would be infighting as much as I've seen, and it's kind of frustrating. It's uh, definitely keeps uh, or kept people's engagement uh, numbers high on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or wherever they're going to have the conversation about an almost us versus them mentality. And, you know, I think that we have been very fortunate to be, you know, uh, I would almost say accepted in a capacity, because when you think back to the fact that we started this podcast, you know, we were the three, now four guys from America who were talking about Chelsea. And, you know, we had to deal with some of the initial criticisms, which just resulted from an accent. And as people got to know us, as we put together a show, you know, we now have you know, cross podcasted with our friends on the fan cast and, and Chidge and Whirl and, you know, I think are, are known and, you know, among those people to, you know, care about the right things and have the right conversation. And I think you can be critical of players and performances yet still support the club. And I think what we're seeing is it's gone from, that being the issue, right? Because we should be able to, as fans, have really great, meaningful, honest debate about the contribution of a player or a lineup and make it less than just a 140 or 280 character comment. But it's evolved into, well, a, you know, you weren't there, you didn't see this, or, well, I can't go because I can't afford it. And then, well, you can't say anything until you've been. And it's that's not the large subset of Chelsea supporters. I think what's happened is it's been generally expanded upon or given too much exposure because it's a small amount of vocal individuals on both sides who are trying to have this conversation or to build this you know division among supporters when... You know, I, I know when I've gone over and when we've gone over, it's been nothing but a great time. You're you're sitting next to the person who's been a season ticket holder for 10, 15, 20 years, and we're telling them about you know, our situation and how we've supported the club, and it, it's it's fun. And then you're you're potentially then going out with that person afterwards to grab a pint to talk about the match some more, and it's the most warm and accepting and welcoming like group of individuals and environment. And I think it's just magnified unnecessarily online by a minimal number of accounts or people who want to protect this idea of, you know, grading or having the ability to say who's in and who's out, who's proper, who's not. And I think if you care about the club, you care about the identity of what we're trying to do in the history. You're not just, you know, following the team, but then saying you're also a supporter of players on other sides and that, you know, you just, you know, just come to Chelsea, but you don't care about any of the history, anything what we've you know done. Hey, if you, you are newer, go back and listen to some of our amazing podcasts that we've done uh, with former players uh, on, you know, racism and, you know, in kind of Chelsea and Chelsea support of, you know, the anti-Semitism campaigns to learn a little bit more about the history, uh, the, the JT retrospective we just did. So like there's ways to learn about there. There's material out there to do that. And then it's really just to, you know, 
focus on having a conversation and not make it about going back and forth and name calling and trying to find ways to puff out your chest and say that you're the bigger supporter because you've done things that, you know, financially maybe some other people can't do, but ultimately they're trying to learn, they're trying to understand, they're trying to go hang out with other supporters in their area and pick up a lot of the culture of it. And I know that I'm going long here on this type of soliloquy, Brandon, but ultimately it's not as real as people are making it out to be in my mind. It's just a couple of loud individuals on either side who are finding ways to you know, go after this machismo style element on Twitter or on Instagram or on Facebook who probably should just tap out for a little bit. And we should focus on the fact that Chelsea are unbeaten under Marie. So sorry, are having a unprecedented run to the start of the season and are challenging for silverware in every single competition that they are in. And let's figure out as fans, how we support that and have honest conversation about how that becomes better. Like through platforms like this, where we're going to talk about players that could come in or come out and not be like, I hate this player. They shouldn't be here. But hey, yes, there's a player who might leave eventually. Here's some options of like who could come in. And let's talk about like why they would or wouldn't be better. I mean, yes, but I don't know where to go from there. No, no, no. It's a, it's a good conversation. I think that it's kind of funny that we go from Pulisic to a divide amongst international fans. And I think that just kind of goes to show a little bit insight of what's happening specifically on Twitter. Like, there's no reason to beat around that bush. Um, Mark Worrell, I, I retweeted uh, something that he posted about, you know, it seems like uh, Chelsea Twitter is more divided than ever right now. Uh, and this is the time to unite before we go and play Spurs. So uh, hopefully we can all, you know, kind of get back to the football. This is what <laughs> happens a little bit when there aren't matches to consume us. We end up... Uh, you know, having the who's better debate. And so it's just kind of a, a funny, ironic timing on the fans giving with uh, not having a match this weekend that probably would have covered up a lot of it if uh, <laughs> if we would have played. So Well, and, and Brandon, I think to the point, though, of the supporters in the UK asking, well, what's the club going to do for me? I'm a season ticket holder. I've been a season ticket holder for X number of years. I mean, there are things that, you know, we've when we talk to the supporters that we know about – Ticket prices, which have been frozen for you know, several years back to back to back, which is great, but uh, you know, reduction in season ticket prices and subsidizing uh, travel or transit for some of these massive away trips. Um, you know, there also is the Chelsea Supporters Group or Supporters Trust, which people can you know pay to be a, be a member of or just subscribe and be a, a non-voting, but uh, you know, get on the mailing list, understand like what are the priorities and concerns of supporters so that the organized group can bring those in their meetings with the club to talk about globally what are the issues that are supporting uh, that are challenging for supporters locally and abroad and how do they work to make that better so there are vehicles and vessels to get that information the right people and i think those people who are asking like well what about me it might be over a signed shirt but connecting those individuals with the idea that there is a larger or group identity that can help to work to make change or make better change for supporters locally and abroad like the supporters trust is important to have awareness around and we need to talk to people about that when they kind of ask those type of questions yeah but it's also about just don't be a dick to other people like that's well, that, that's, that's really, like the golden rule in life brandon i mean that's kind of where <laughs> really, i'm at really good point about that yeah. i mean that, that's kind of where i'm at which is it's the 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 conversation rarely starts and this will be the last thing i say on it 
the conversation rarely starts with, Hey man, could you tell me a little bit more about this Thanksgiving program? And like, yeah, I just, I'm curious and uh, you know, I might be a little, you know, uneasy because, you know, I've been a season ticket holder for so long, but haven't ever received anything like this. And then the other person would get to tell, you know, Hey, I got nominated by someone else to receive this. I don't even know where this came from. It was a complete surprise. And and then maybe there's like a dialogue that can start. It rarely goes like that. It rarely goes with like, oh, why isn't this person? Why is this person getting some of them? They've barely been a fan when I'm a fucking awesome fan. And like, I deserve all this other stuff. Like just man, like it's, it's a bad way to start the conversation. It's just bad. And like, if you can figure out a better way to approach that, man, maybe we can actually get down like Dan said to the, to the root of some of these issues and, and move the ball forward that way. Like it, it didn't bother me as a person who didn't receive anything that I didn't receive anything. I just thought it was kind of cool, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. All right. Well, moving back to other chance for targets, because that's really the only topics that uh, we have really gotten over this one, is uh, Jaden Sancho obviously making his England debut against the United States. Uh, really, really close nail-biter. I don't think we need to go into the details of what actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, really close Maybe, maybe that's why we haven't cared about the international break too much. Partially. <laughs> I mean, we don't have a head coach. And, all right, never mind. So uh, at Benevolent Bone Bono, uh, Aiden saying, <laughs> would Jaden Sancho be a good option instead of Pulisic? Uh, and then at um, Shub Communicat saying, both are at the same level for me, talented but not proven and lack top-level experience to offer incisive threat up front and deliver goals, I would go with one of Bailey or Malcolm at Barca. You know, we had the, the Malcolm-Williams swap was um, reported for January. I think that this Nick kind of just talks about the fact that we're looking at right-wingers. Uh, you know, to me, Jaden Sancho, look, this is his first season of playing football, right? He left Man City in search of minutes. He is getting those minutes. But I think anyone would say, you know, one season and and again his minutes are growing he's not a nailed on starter at Dortmund so to me if he's not a nailed on starter at Dortmund he's most likely not going to be a nailed on starter at Chelsea now I do think that it would be a fun cheeky little win if we got him in a couple years and he's much more polished and then we could say hey City thanks for developing this amazing talent I, I do not know if City have a buyback clause my guess is is yes on Sancho, but I, th- I want to say uh, it's no because they had offered him a contract and he rejected the contract. Um, yeah, I think this is his first professional contract or like his first eighteen up contract. He apparently rejected the decision. Uh, he would have been the highest paid academy player in City history, but he signed a ten million uh, pound deal that for the kind of the move to to Dortmund. Interesting. Either way, I mean, same thing as Pulisic, right? Just as I would hope the club wouldn't buy an an American player because they want to, you know, have an American player. I would hope that they wouldn't buy a young British player because you know they want that. Um, you know, they they just with Brexit looming, they want to acquire all the young English talent that's possibly out there. I mean, it just seems a little short sighted unless he is going to be a guy and really challenge William or Pedro at that level to, to play. Um, I think you're seeing right now that, you know, Joe, Joe tweets even said that like Callum Hudson, Adoy and, and Sancho, you know, what one just has the ability to play at another club. And, and that's why, you know, you, you might be hearing more about Sancho than 
Callum Hudson and Doy, but in terms of talent, they're probably, you know, really close. So, um, I don't know, just kind of, if it's one of those types, I'd rather promote an English Academy player than go buy one personally, but, um, that's just me, Brandon. I mean, we'll, we'll see that there's more out there. I mean, Dan Arnautovic or Cutrone, uh, being linked. Uh, I mean, Arnautovic kind of plays center forward now for West Ham. Um, uh, Cutrone, I think he plays on the wing, but I could be wrong. Maybe he is a center forward. Either way, we're just more and more attacking reinforcements for January. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, when you think about the fact that, I mean, Pedro, we you know, did get you know, kind of a one-year extension. Uh, we haven't kind of determined what William's future looks like. Obviously, everything's up in the air with Eden Hazard until he signs a long-term contract. We have Morata long-term deal. Giroud probably leaves at the end of this season, you would have to imagine. So that whole front attacking group is going to be ripe in the next you know, three to eight months to be overhauled. And you know, I don't necessarily know if any of those names, though, are the names that we should anticipate going after. Like Arnautovic is 29, he'd be 30, and like... I think we reference age a lot here, and I think it's important to understand like why we talk about that, right? Because as someone who's, uh, you know, thirty three, about to be thirty four later this week, um, <coughs> ultimately, <coughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's because of a couple things. It's, it's the club policy, right? The club has a policy in place, uh, spoken or unspoken, that at the age of thirty they offer one year contracts. So if you pay a lot of money to sign an Octovich to, you know, multi-year deal. You're going to have him until he's 34, 35, potentially, um, because the player is going to want guarantees. So it's not just about agreeing with the club. It's about agreeing with the player. The second is that the sh- the strategy really has shifted from the club over the past couple of years to look at players that are in their early to mid-20s to get them in the essentially the prime of their career or just a little before, hair before they get just a touch older so they can do one of two things. One, if they do really well but they don't fit, we can sell them for a level of profit and not have paid an exorbitant fee. Uh, and two is if they are really exceptional, that we can then continue to sign them onto a long-term deal and then have had a player where we paid one transfer fee for instead of having to then replace that player with another large transfer fee as those continue to expand. So uh, I would hope for none of those names associated, but I understand why we're being linked because we will be linked with every single available attacking player or unavailable attacking player uh, between now and the next eight months. So uh, just look for our friends like Matt Law to see who they're talking about, Simon Johnson to see who they're talking about, because those are the names of players who are more likely to be considered by the club versus who everyone else is going to associate the club with. Like you want to see the players that, you know, I, I would say Nick, like if you see Matt Law talking about a player that the club is interested, it's highly likely that that is someone we are actually interested in. Unlike Chelsea being rumored to have a player on the radar. You know what would help with this? What? What, Brandon? A director of football. Oh. Oh, thank God. So, I mean, that, that's gone quiet after it was uh, the next priority once the season started. So, and it, Well, to, to be fair, though, when Matt was on the show with us, he did say that that was the goal, you know, really kind of looking into right after the new year is when we should start to hear more about that. Well, until you find out that Chelsea are potentially being lined up for a, a two-year transfer ban, and they are looking to unload hella cash this January. So now that could be a huge issue. Um, I mean, you've got the talks of, obviously, the Pulisic, 
um, and the the Arnautovic. But now we're looking at Hisai, the uh, right back from Napoli, uh, bringing back Ake, maybe even Dembele from Barcelona. You've got Callum Wilson from Bournemouth, uh, Luka Jovic from Frankfurt, uh, Christoph Piatek from Genoa. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And we don't have a director of football really to like keep that cohesive uh, momentum moving in the same direction. On the flip, my real qu- my real question though, to get all those players in real life or to get all those players in FIFA, how are you like? Which way are you? FIFA spending more money? is because life, Dan. <laughs> yeah, Dan. Oh, I'm just saying. Sometimes they get those players in packs. It costs a lot of points. But, it's a lot of money. But that's part of it. I mean, it will. And if Chelsea just start spending, 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 I mean, clubs are gonna not, you know. I don't know. It's not going to be pretty. But it'd be sweet to have a strategy. I know. Going into January about who, what, when, where, why. But, you know, we could just keep winging it, too. You know, that'd be fine. Well, because, you know, winging it's work. We also have a lot of, like, potential departures, Nick, with uh, obviously Cahill being the biggest one coming out. Um, talk about divisive in opinion. Uh, Zapacosta, Moses, Drinkwater, Fabregas. To me, I think that the Drinkwater, Moses, and Cahill are the three most likely. Because they literally have not played this season. I know they played some, but you know, realistically, not. If we let them go again, what is the strategy behind everything? And it just kind of is—we're left in the dark a little bit. And in, in confidence, correct, correct. Like, I, I I don't know the answer to any of these questions. I mean, the the last we heard about it was from Matt Law, and at at that point, you know, it, it was almost a, a month and a half ago. So. I mean, who knows? Like, it, it would make sense to me now, just given where we are in the season, that they're probably going to wait till June to appoint someone. Because, like, I just don't, I don't really know how much time a person who has a good amount of experience in that role would need to to kind of analyze everything. But um, you know, if it, at least for me, if it didn't happen in August, it probably wasn't going to happen until the the team, you know, maybe went on uh, on holiday again because, you know, there's plenty of other things happening. All right. Oh, last two I want to touch on before we, we look ahead to Spurs a little bit is uh, from Dexter, one of our recent additions to the Patreon family, says, can we discuss the lack of Ampadu match time? I mean, we haven't seen him play in a minute. I'd really like to see him get some playing time. Well, uh, Nick, we, we were blessed with an Ampadu appearance for Wales this weekend in which uh, we got to see his true colors, I would say. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen this clip, I would I would highly encourage um, you uh, you to go watch it, especially if you uh, if you like a little bit of feistiness or a little bit of aggro, as our friends across uh, across the Atlantic would say. Um uh, the, the story goes like this. Casper Dolberg um, playing for Denmark uh, goes in really hard on Ampadu. Uh, you know, certainly was a yellow card offense. Uh, Ampadu returns uh, this gesture in kind by uh, by laying out Dolberg um, from behind as they were both going for a, um, a, a throw in uh, kind of header situation. Um showed no remorse, Dan, which is I, I think what <laughs> what Ryan Giggs was pumped about. Just kind of went a, t- took the yellow card, went about his business, uh, looked really uh, content with his decision. Yeah, I, I will say he he did have to withdraw or has been sent home to uh, for for whatever reason, combination of physical disciplinary, both uh, none of the above. 
But boy, oh boy, it was good to see the breaker of ankles get a moment to just completely uh, return the favor to Dolberg, as it were. Uh, You could see in the clip also the fans got up and were applauding the uh, very (laughs) cynical, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, sometimes when a you know a player goes down uh, unfairly, doesn't get uh, you know kind of the right type of stick. Maybe that player feels a little aggrieved that the referee did not do a better job to protect him, and the player just decides, you know what, I'm gonna go in and you know make a challenge, and maybe my arm flows a little bit outside my body and it hits the back of somebody's head, and you know things happen. Things happen. It's a quick game. You know, you slow it down. It looks like it's intentional, but when you watch at full speed, it, it looks was only partially, partially <laughs> intentional. There's no doubt. I mean, I'm actually kind of surprised that the referee, he could have sent him off just because of the intent to injure. But what we're seeing is that this kid gives no Fs, like straight up. I don't care if you're a grown ass man, I'm going to play against you and match you and stand against you toe to toe. And uh, what an amazing uh, personality and level of confidence that he has. And, you know, Dexter, we'd love to see way more Vampadu. Uh, it's been a tough run, unfortunately. If Cahill goes, he Vampadu immediately moves up the pecking order. Now we see Ampadu in the League Cup, in the FA Cup. Um, once we secure Europa League, then we see him there. But right now, he's fifth in line, unfortunately. Uh, so he's missing out so again Cahill leaving opens that door for him to actually get some minutes uh with Christensen on the fence you know who who knows but um man Chelsea fans love 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 seeing that kind of heart and fight from from a young center back I actually have the the Halloween card in ultimate team of Ampadu and I love it so you're saying that Dolberg was getting his uh trick or his treat Ignoring that completely, actually. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The new Conte contract question mark. That is what we'll wrap it up with is that uh, Chelsea midfielder N'Golo Conte is reportedly set to become one of the highest paid earners in the Premier League and could sign a new deal at Stamford Bridge, in quotes, in the coming weeks. Le Equi reported that the new contract will dampen the spirits of suitors PSG, whose hopes of signing him are going to be fading, which is amazing. So uh, he's looking at getting uh, about 290,000 pounds per week. Uh, but Dan, you actually put in his 1718 uh, graph to his 1819 chart. And we're obviously just seeing that um, when we possess the ball, N'Golo Kante is not an effective player. So we actually shouldn't give him this raise and sell him. Am I reading your graph correct? Yeah, that, that was Dan's thoughts, everyone. Yeah. So just <laughs> yes. At Dan Dormer. Wow. So uh, I realize that we've now turned the show into, or comments on the show into weaponizing elements. That's wonderful. That's right. Um, we should get a, uh, you know, get a national coalition together, an international coalition together mm. to, like, put sanctions on Brandon <laughs> as the host to prevent this type mm. of weaponizing. Uh, but I mean, look uh, at in rea- and you know to be fair, which yes, that w- those are all jokes. But I am impressed at how different Angola Conte is in a possession-based system versus a counter-attacking system. I mean, we heard, you know, I think it was I don't know if it's Schmeichel or Huth who said, "How does a a team with um, 
you know, Wes Morgan and Robert Huth win a Premier League title and they go Angolo Kante. He's perfect for that system and a counterattack and get the ball, give it to someone, and then they play a counterattack. When we have the ball 60-70% of the time, like his strengths aren't being realized. Yeah, I mean, if you look at where his you know kind of stats were from 17-18, obviously it was not the uh, best season. But uh, I imagine, you know, that obviously we did a, you know, a very nice job in some games. Uh, but he, you know, had, you know, kind of get close to like 90% passing, you know, the amount of adjusted interceptions was closer to two per 90 tackles per, you know, we're almost, you know, the two, seven, two, eight, you know, uh, fouls were, you know, kind of in the one, two range, uh, lost possession was kind of the 1.35 you go back to now lost possession actually is up this season comparatively, uh, you know, kind of in the two five range per 90 fouls are down though, which is nice. Um, 0.6 almost, uh, adjusted tackles kind of closer, you know, I've gone a, a little bit down as well, kind of in the three Oh range, uh, at the moment. And then in interceptions are actually, uh, just kind of in the 1.4 per game. Uh, so per 90, so just some like interesting, like corollary to, you know, what we're seeing on the pitch, like the stats, Nick kind of back up this idea that he's you know, being challenged a little bit differently, but I, I don't think, you know, for, all of that said, like that he obviously has a very strong skill set and has shown over a couple of seasons that he's an adaptable player. Uh, it just seems like he's taking time to get adjusted. So I, I wouldn't see why you wouldn't want to sign him up to a long-term deal. Uh, look, he, he's just a phenomenal footballer, okay? Like he's just a phenomenal footballer. He deserves every raise that he'll ever get. He's a great ambassador for the club. He works his tail off. He is is growing into a role that is not admittedly super comfortable for him, and is you know compared to what he's previously done. Uh, pay the man, uh, give him as much as he as he needs to stay at the club, and you know allow him to to grow and become a legend here. And that's all I want. I I just I can't emphasize enough how great he is, and you know w- would hope that the club would um, would do everything they could to secure his future. Well, I mean, he allegedly doesn't even take payments through offshore bank accounts. So, Jesus. I mean, you want to talk about the most the most like cynical piece of quote unquote journalism was that fucking article. Jesus, man, like just terrible, 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 terrible standards of journalism. Football leaks. Terrible. That's where it came from. Said that he was offered terrible. and uh, ended up not doing it. He just said, nope, I don't need to worry about it. Anyways, um, that will wrap up this section. Obviously, World Cup winner N'Golo Kante is absolute magic. Any club in the world would be fortunate to have him. But we do, so we should keep our best assets. It's a simple strategy, Nick, and I think we can all get behind it. Um, real quick, before we do a quick hit on Spurs, uh, Nick, we do have an exciting kind of surprise coming down to the listeners uh, soon. Correct. Uh, I know we we teased a a link a couple of weeks ago for classic football shirts. Sorry about the confusion with that. We've been working with them to kind of get that all sorted. Uh, we will have in the uh, the upcoming um, months uh, a promo code for you guys to use, similar to what we do with World Soccer Shop. So that should be in effect um, soon. Uh, I won't overcommit on a date, but uh, very soon. So we're going to be working with them on a couple of things as well. So really happy to have classic football shirts on board as a, a uh, partner of the show and uh, perhaps, you know, may even do some sort of live show situation from uh, 
from their spot in London. So we're going to be working with them on some things. Excited about it. Just wait a little bit longer and we'll get that promo code to you guys. All right. Well, to wrap this up in a quick couple minutes, Chelsea are playing Spurs at the weekend in the Premier League action. It will be at Wembley and uh, it'll be this coming uh, Saturday. So with that being said, a couple of quick hits from the weekend that the Spurs national team won today against Croatia. So (laughs) there's probably a lot of confidence for them, for every kind and Dele Alley. Um, look, we kind of talked about this a little bit, Dan. I said Spurs have had an easy schedule so far this season. Um, they've won four of the last five, losing to City. I mean, they squeaked by Wolves. Uh, West Ham Boarfest, you know, barely beating Cardiff. one nothing versus Palace. Therefore, you know, of their games, they're, they're not putting the ball in the back of that a lot. Chelsea, a little bit more adversity, right? You also saying, though, Chelsea have had a pretty easy run so far this season, too. So what are you thinking is going to happen this coming weekend? Are you asking for, like, the score prediction right now, or would you like commentary? I mean, probably commentary. Mike will be upset if you do a prediction this early. Yeah, I, I, we, we can't do that, you know, even if he's out due to injury. Um, you know, I, so I, I think Spurs are showing that they can – be resilient in some of the games that they're winning. I'm kind of shocked at some of the results that they've had, particularly away from home, even though they've won. They've really struggled against West Ham, against Crystal Palace, against Cardiff. It's only been moments of magic that have really, and, and you know, Cardiff was at home, but obviously home is still Wembley, and we know that Wembley and Spurs are not really a match made in heaven. So, uh, or at least they're a, a Uh, like a a shotgun marriage essentially for the rest of the season. So I don't know. I feel good about it. I don't feel great. Um, But, you know, we do well in Wembley, Nick. And, you know, I think that, you know, we are on the whole probably in a better form kind of within the, the quality of the play that we've seen outside of the Everton loss, which was, but with now with maybe a little bit of rest, a little bit of recovery, uh, you know, some of our key players getting in good minutes like Hazard, you know, in this Belgium match, even though they lost um, would be, you know, I think making me feel pretty positive about our chances. Yeah. Uh, You know, I think it'll, it'll be interesting. I mean, Chelsea historically play pretty well at Wembley. Um, Spurs are, are a different story, but um, I I don't feel as anxious this season as I did last season playing them. You know, I think that uh, I think that we're in a better vein of form. I think they're you know about where they were last year. I don't think they've improved any uh, at all. Actually, uh, Erickson's been hurt off and on. Um, Harry Kane's been you know. Decent, but not spectacular. And I think he needs to be spectacular if, if they're to uh, to do anything in the league. Um, but, you know, I, I feel pretty decent about this. And I, I would hope that Chelsea, you know, given that this is our, our third big test out of the, out of the year, uh, considering Arsenal and Liverpool uh, have already been played, uh, that we would come out and, well, I guess uh, United too, if you consider them a big team. Um, Maybe you don't. And I think Brandon's made that joke about 150 times on the show. So um, I don't know. I feel pretty good. I, yep. I feel like we, we'll, waiting we'll play for you guys well. to tell me it's getting old, but it hasn't really hit. So I <laughs> guess uh, we're going to keep on keeping on. You know what I'm saying? Uh, look, I do. It, it's it's Spurs. Uh, it's away. The last time 
Uh, Chelsea played Spurs uh, at home. We were there. It was miserable. So that's part of the reason, guys. I want nothing more than to go out and smash them. Uh, I even saw Rory Jennings from Chelsea Fan Channel tweeted this funny thing of a, an article saying that Poch is becoming a victim of his own success, to which Rory quoted the tweet and said, success, upside down, smiley face. I mean, right? What what success is he becoming a victim of? And I don't like losing to teams that I deem to be far less successful than Chelsea. So let's go out there. We're coming off a bad draw against Everton. Um, the international break, come back, and and they should be antsy to go in and smash them. And that's all I want to see. And that's all any of us want to see. So excited to get back to the footy. Excited to get back to the pubs. Excited to to have something to react to, to have something to talk about, to have something to, uh, you know, really take our minds off of our boring lives. Just kidding. That's me, not you. And let's just get out there and have some fun again. So, boys, uh, thank you so much for uh, just kicking back this this lazy Sunday afternoon, chatting a little bit of Chelsea. Uh, Dan, safe travels as you head uh, back across the country because you clearly can't sit still for more than a week. <laughs> Well, you know, just uh, it's been a little smoky out in California this past week. So, uh, you know, continue your thoughts and uh, stay safe for everybody who uh, is impacted by the uh, the wildfires out here. It's not been a great situation. Um, and uh, having a mask or a face mask as an accessory is not very cool. But, uh, you know, I did the main voice a couple times. So that was fun. How safe do you feel? <laughs> not really. <laughs> no, okay. no. All right. Well, uh, Nick, uh, you continue being a huge softy in Kansas with this cold front. You think you're experiencing? Look, man, it is. I'm I'm pulling it up now. It's it's chilly. It was like 26 today. I'm not a big fan. It says it's 35. There's no way it is. Um, anyway, uh, I, for for my friends in Austin, Texas, I will be in your lovely city. Um, See the first, second, and third of December. So if you guys are out and about, or maybe you want to catch the Fulham match at wherever you go, please, uh, please tweet at me, and we'll figure that out. No handle, just find you. You're that popular. At Nick Verlani. Look at me, just, just balling over here. Awesome. All right, Chelsea fans. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, sorry you had to suffer through another boring international break for this stupid UEFA Nations League nonsense. But hey. It's, we're back, all right? We're, we're back to the regularly scheduled programming. We're back to what matters the most, and that is the Chels. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>